Welcome to Comic Book Keepers, where we talk about comic book characters, their history, and their impact on our lives. I'm Chris. And I'm Lance. And I'm Jeremy. And today we're talking about Comic-Con San Diego 2022. Woohoo! Woo-hoo! Oh my uh, gosh. I'm so tired. <laughs> right now my feet are killing me. Um, so it is Monday, the, the day after Comic-Con ended. Oh yeah, I'm back. <laughs> Hello everybody. Uh, Lance is making a special uh, uh, paternity leave Comic-Con episode appearance. So um, first of all, how's the baby? Baby's amazing. She's adorable, cries a lot, but it's all right. She makes up for it because she's cute. Well, we're, we're happy to have you, and it was great hanging out with you this weekend. Yeah. So let's get into it, guys. Uh, we all went to Comic-Con. There was, it was a pretty successful Comic-Con as Comic-Cons go. I mean, everybody came back. There was a lot of COVID protocols about wristbands, and, and I think because of that, it, it didn't seem as crowded as it as previous Comic-Cons, maybe? Did you guys feel that way? It was pretty crowded, but it, it didn't yeah. seem like wall-to-wall. Like I will say, when I went in 2019, it was the 2019 was the 50th anniversary, though, so right. there is that to consider, and yeah. it was pre-The Dark Times, but it was jam-packed. Like, yeah. it was incredibly, <laughs> incredibly packed in that hall. Yeah. So yeah. comparatively, yeah, I think there was a bit more room, but... um. But yeah, I think it was still still pretty busy. <laughs> like it was still oh, no pretty doubt. full. Yeah, it was it was super busy. I'm I'm just I just remember like there were definitely times like on Saturday I was like, hmm, there's not as long of a line for this as past years. You know, <laughs> I just remember like instantly walking away when I would walk up to like Ballroom Twenty and and I, you know Ballroom Twenty we we all got in and with relatively little waiting. You know, those of us that didn't have press badges. But. Yeah, I haven't I haven't been to San Diego Comic-Con since 2007. Oh, gosh. Be- because I had a buddy in yep. high school win a radio contest for passes. Yeah. So I got to go in and my re- I remember way more comic book booths uh-huh. back then. There yeah. were far more vendors for books. Yeah. And yeah. it was like a billion more people. But this mm-hmm. this year, like I felt like you had to slow down at times and there was crowds, but I wasn't shoulder to shoulder the entire time. Oh, the slow walkers. Ugh. They're it's the worst. worst. <laughs> they are the worst. Oh, we'll talk about that more later. All three of us had a different experience with each day. Like we walked around a little bit here and there, but but um, we thought it would just be kind of fun for those of you who did go through Comic-Con to hear about our experience. And for those of you who have either not ever gone to Comic-Con or maybe it's been a while um, to just kind of relive, you know, through what we did and what we're excited about. We're going to talk about our favorite announcements and things like that. We'll talk about some of our favorite purchases over the Comic-Con experience and um, and then we'll just kind of see how it goes. So since Lance was not at preview night, Jeremy, do you want to talk about preview night uh i I only briefly showed up (laughs) at the very end to get my wristband on preview night on wednesday yeah i I remember we met up on on preview night near the near the very end there so i i worked a half day on wednesday um because i knew it was preview night and comic-con was starting and um i am a workaholic type person um Mm -hmm. my boss and my wife both know that it's very hard to pry me away from work. I'm always checking like Slack and my email and everything. And so my boss literally said, 
if you do not enjoy your vacation, I will fire you. Um, so, <laughs> uh, that was my, cool. that was my, uh, charge when I, uh, logged off, um, at noon on Wednesday, yeah. um, to start, to Good start tidings, get out of here. Yeah, exactly. Get out of here. Don't, don't check your phone. Don't check your email. Uh, and today was actually my last day off. I'm going back tomorrow. Um, cause I needed a day and this is my, my suggestion to all of you. You should always have a vacation after your vacation. Always give yourself an extra day if you can. Um, but it's a great idea. I really should have done that. Me an too. extra day just to unwind, you know, just to just to kind of reflect and do all the stuff you need to do. And run errands. I ran errands today. Anyway, so what kind of person yeah. should go to preview night? That that's a one I hear a lot. Is like, what's that for? I mean, is is it just for exclusives? Is it is it kind of more of a functional thing to get like the wristband and the badge and things like that? Just to it's definitely it? a functional thing, hundred percent. I mean, we, we got our badges mailed, and I feel like a lot of people get their badges mailed to them. Right. Um, so you don't necessarily need to go to pick up a badge like you do with a lot of other cons. And with the wristband thing, you know, maybe it'll be a ne- thing next year. I don't know. I really yeah. hope not. But it was sort of like a unique scenario. I would say it's good for prep in general. It's sort of like before you start classes at college or before you start school at like a high school, you go to the campus, right? You walk around a little bit. You familiarize yourself with the halls and where your classes <laughs> yeah. are so you know where to go. Wednesday night is orientation. <laughs> Wednesday night, yeah, 100%. Wednesday it's, night it's is – Get a lay of the land. There's not a mm-hmm. lot of panels. It's just the convention floor. And, and and there are some exclusive like items. That, like if you're just like, oh, here's the, the limited pop figures or here's the limited T-shirts or here's the limited whatever. <laughs> There's a couple of those things. But there are some exclusives. So like um, one that I kept kicking myself about and I kept telling Lance was like – I was literally walking through the hall and Wednesday night is great if you don't like crowds because <laughs> Wednesday night is pretty light. It's a pretty light you yeah, know, not uh, experience. Goes. Not everybody goes. Uh, the exhibit hall is over for three hours from 6 to 9 p.m. or at least it was this year. And, you know, I, I walked right by the Hulu booth and they were giving out these poster tubes. Like I was telling, saying just a second ago, like I was telling Lance, I was kicking myself because I just walked by. They were like holding it out and they're like, hey, take a poster tube. And I'm like, ah, like, I don't know. I wasn't interested in it for some reason. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm okay. But then the next day, and literally through the whole con for the rest of the weekend, there was a line around the freaking booth, like just to get a poster tube. And I could have just grabbed one day one, you know, like when the when the floor was empty and I just happened to walk by and grab it. Yeah. There's so much free stuff given out at this convention it's unbelievable yeah like water bottles bags like real talk i mean bringing a poster tube might is just is kind of a good advice in general uh, yes bring a poster for the art because you will need something especially if you want to get like free posters or um like actually bought posters or or like you know prize posters or things like that because you don't want those to get messed up especially if you're coming from out of town and the thing and and something really good about that, along with the posters, is there's a lot of signings that happen. So there's these panels that after the panel, about an hour later, they'll get together and they'll do a signing of whichever thing it is. And the posters are usually free for you to show up and then you can get other things signed at the same time. But there's so many opportunities to get really cool posters to display in your home. And so poster tube, a definite must. 
Yeah, Wednesday night there were a couple panels. There were a couple kind of like um, there was a. There, I know there were a few miniature paint and take workshops going on as well. Which honestly, I wanted to do, and I just never had a chance to go and do it. I, it's not that I want to get into mini painting. I just wanted to. I thought it'd be fun as something to do at the con. But so yeah, there's a few smaller panels. But really, Wednesday night is to familiarize familiarize yourself with the program. Right, you got your program. You got your bag. Figure out what's going on. Make a game plan for the weekend if you haven't already been stocking the schedule and grab some of those exclusives. Grab some of those exclusives from the hall and get ready. Get ready for Thursday. That's what Wednesday is all about. So that's what I did on Wednesday night. Um, Just kind of wandered around, grabbed a couple of exclusive things, but just kind of generally enjoyed having a fairly empty show floor. Um, All right. Well, let's get into Thursday. So all of us were there on Thursday. Um, I... I was in line for Hall H, <laughs> which I'll get to in a minute. Uh, why don't you guys start? Um, because thir- uh, Thursday was my Hall H day, but uh, what did y'all do on Thursday th- at the beginning? Uh, my Thursday started out with uh, being able to meet quite a few of my favorite creators in comics. I headed down to Artist Alley, and I was able to get uh, some books signed by Ryan Parrott who is, has been writing Go-Go Power Rangers since that started and then took over uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and then wrote Mighty Morphin and Power Rangers. And he's actually about to uh, hit 100 issues writing for that series, which will be his last issue. And then I also got to meet Kyle Higgins, who is literally the writer that started Mighty Morphin Power Rangers in 2016, I believe, is when the the Zero issue came out. And so they're sitting right next to each other. They're both working on uh, the massive verse stuff together too over at Image. So I got to get my Power Rangers comic book signed. I got to get my massive verse related book signed. So Radiant Black for Kyle Higgins as well as Rogue Sun from Ryan Parrott. And uh, it was just a lot of fun because one of the books I brought to uh, get signed by Ryan Parrott was the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Power Rangers crossover book that he wrote. And this kind of plays in a lot of my experience at San Diego Comic-Con because we'll, we'll get into the Funko-related things in a, in a bit. But I had uh, Ryan Parrott sign my uh, issue three, which is Raph. The, it's a variant that I have, which is Raph holding the Green Ranger helmet, which was a uh, like a one-per-store exclusive. So I had to go on the hunt for it, gave it to Parrot. He signed it and he said, this is actually my favorite like cover for it. And I was like, yes, it's my favorite cover too. Uh, and then he told me something interesting and he said, you, are you planning on coming to the Charge to 100 uh, panel, which was the Power Ranger panel they were having that day? And I was like, yeah, I was definitely planning on showing him. He's like, good. I think you'll be happy. And I was like. Mm-hmm. Okay, la 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 la. Like that, I'll be excited for Power Rangers. Of course, I will. What a cryptic message. (laughs) Uh, So the panel was only like an hour or two later. So I go to the panel, and it's really cool. There, there's the whole creative team that's been there for a long time. And funny enough, during the panel of all these other cool things that they're talking about, the charge to 100 Ryan Parrott's hundredth issue with Power Rangers, they had already said that 100 would be his last issue, but then they said, well, not really. And they announced a follow-up series for the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle crossover part two, which I am 
so excited about. I've been clamoring for it. It's been about two and a half years since the other one came out. So uh, that's what Mr. Parrot was alluding to when he said, you'll be happy. But there, there were tons of other surprises. And uh, Melissa Flores, who has been a part of the Power Ranger universe and more of like an executive role for a long time. And I think part of like the creative team overall is going to be taken over taking over Power Rangers in issue 101. So lots of fun stuff going on in that universe. But just just overall, that was like how my Thursday started. Nice. nice. Um, I originally was going to go to the Tom Taylor and Tom King panel. I, I But I think, I don't know, we either got the day started a little late or I, I don't remember why exactly I missed it. I was, I did, however, have an interview with Funko, uh, pretty much first thing that morning. So I went over to the Funko booth because, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the stuff that I was doing at the con, like I had a handful of interviews set up ahead of time. Um, and I was, you know, collaborating with a lot of, um, you know, studios and, and people that were there to try and set up stuff for us as press because, you know, uh, uh, Lance and I were there uh, formally under the Geekly Grind as press. So um, trying to live up to that press badge. Uh, so <laughs> that was what, uh, I was doing on Thursday, I got to uh, chat with Jessica Piha Grafstein. Uh, I probably pronounced her last name wrong. Um, but basically, she's a senior uh, senior director of communications for Funko. Um, and we had a great little chat about their properties and, you know, how they make sure they, they have the right properties because pop culture moves really, really quickly. And so how do they know they're not going to go through all the trouble of making a pop only for it to like flop, right. And not sell to, you know, not sell enough units to make it worthwhile. Um, so that was a really cool conversation. Uh, and then they were gracious enough to give me a Funko swag bag with, um, so with a, with a Cobra Kai record set, uh, from Mondo and um, some cool stuff from Loungefly, like a Fox and the Hound wallet and uh, and some some Funkos in there as well. So um, it was a great visit, a great chat. And then I just kind of wandered the exhibit hall uh, for a little bit. And then I had my interview uh, with Brendan Wainerty from Mondo. Uh, and he's a, a marketing uh, marketing guy for, for Mondo. And so we chatted a little bit as well. So that was my up to like afternoon. Um, was uh, the a couple of interviews with with Funko and Mondo and just sort of uh, wandering the floor, drooling over statues and figures and stuff. <laughs> um, so much about stuff you, to look at. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, you okay? You always. You will always not have enough money. Okay. This is this right. is your next tip. Yeah, okay. This sure. is your next tip. You will always not have enough. I feel like I've definitely grown a lot in you know my ability to partake in conventions since I was a wee lad of 16, 17 wandering around convention halls with no money. And even still like Lance and I were looking at like original art that was like in the tens of thousands of dollars. Jeez. And we're looking at each other. Like it is. who is here for this? Who it's not us. Money? It's who not us. This money? There was a panel or there was a booth. And I think we saw, we saw it where it's like all these covers, the mm -hmm. original cover artwork. And it's like tens of thousands if not over a hundred thousand or several hundred thousand dollars for this artwork. And it's just like, what the, what, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> and, I, and I, all these books. Yeah. I want to point out though, that like those books that I'm looking up on the wall and they're like 25,000, $49,000. They're like the covers of the books that are in the dollar bins at your local shop. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. if you want the books that are worth 
crazy money themselves, the mm-hmm. art for them is either not available or it is astronomical. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, anyways, so you'll never have enough money. But I was busy drooling over like statues and figures and all that stuff. Yeah. There's a $14,000 Final <laughs> Fantasy statue there um, from Tara. She's riding like a Magitek armor. Oh, my God. It's gorgeous. We're just standing there going, oh. Yeah. Yeah. I, I told a guy, I was like, oh, it's 13800 And he was like, yen? <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, no, that's a that's thirteen thousand eight hundred of God's own dollars. Uh, so yeah, it was uh, it was something. I started off the morning at seven thirty, waiting in line, waiting outside under the tents in Hall H, and I met some very nice D and D folks because the first Hall H panel in three years was D and D Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves, the movie panel i'm I'm sorry i'm going to interrupt you really quick just because i think a lot of people have heard of hall h sure and they might know yeah what's hall h all about like how how does this work chris how did this work for you to get into hall h so comic-con has panels as many conventions do and and some of the bigger rooms like indigo ballroom the ballroom 20 uh and hall h being the biggest room in the convention uh, itself uh, Hall H is where every day the biggest panels, arguably, of the movie studios and TV show studios and media appearances and celebrity appearances. It's where a lot of the celebrities show up. Not, I mean, there there are ones that show up to other panels. Don't get me wrong; like some of them show up at smaller panels, but it depends on the size of what they expect for the event that's being announced or the person that's being announced. Um, so. So, for instance, you know, Thursday they had things like William Shatner, uh, Shatner on Shatner, and then, like he's gonna get a lot of people showing up to him. Uh, they had they had panels for um, you know throughout the week for the Lord of the Rings show and for the Sandman show and for Marvel and for DC and for you guys went to a Dragon Ball one, right? So I mean, it's like all these big uh, TV show fandoms and everything like that. So now hall H is this huge thing. It's really hard to get into. You can't just walk up. You have to wait the night before to get a ticket to come back the next day to, to be guaranteed a spot in there. And then you go into what's called a shoot, <laughs> uh, shoot one, two, three, or four, which is kind of like, you feel like a torpedo. You feel like all these people in a torpedo shoot. And then there is a standby. So there is, potential you could get up but it's very you know it's it depends on the event and that starts like early in the morning like you can start lining up super early so if you're lucky enough to get in a lot of times people will just stay in there the whole day depending on what they want to do luckily the thing i wanted to go to was the first thing uh, on thursday which is which is at noon unfortunately but you know i just killed time by drawing and things like that uh, this panel was for D and, uh, for Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves, the movie and the directors, the producer and a, a lot of the stars were there, including Chris Pine, Hugh Grant, Michelle Rodriguez. It, it seems like a really, really fun movie. Uh, it definitely exceeded my expectations in terms of, you know, I was cautiously optimistic about this. I was like, I sure hope this looks good. But they showed two clips which they haven't put online yet as of this as of this post. And then they showed the trailer at the very end, which they immediately released. And and most people on D&D TikTok have that's all they've talked about <laughs> because mm-hmm. it's it looks really good. And that there's a lot of D&D monsters from our lore that we're familiar with. It seems to capture that 
humor, dysfunctional group around the table kind of vibe. And they even specifically called out like we're going for a Monty Python theme. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's I think it struck the right tone. I think uh, there was a lot of uh, there's and there still is kind of residual buzz right around the tape on the trailer around a lot of different things like rules, lawyers and aesthetics yeah. and who <laughs> looks like who and all this stuff. And it's just like, you know, let's just have fun with it. Like, yeah. you know, like let's try not to to get too too wrapped up in it. I think it's the perfect tone for it. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think so. Be, I two other like. little things that I'll I'll kind of make it relevant as talking about the, the Comic-Con experience. So as many TV shows and movies and whatever pr- promoting downtown in San Diego and the gas lamp, they have experiences. So like severance, the TV show had a very popular experience, which I couldn't get into as like, you go into the severance floor and you get to experience like the break room and things like that. There was a, a there was an experience for, uh, 10 forward and star Trek. There was an experience for different things. And, and there was an experience for a D and D tavern to celebrate the movie. Anything else on Thursday that we want to talk about? Um, Thursday, we, uh, the end of the day was the, um, for, for us was the, uh, people of color, uh, in TTRPGs oh, yeah, yeah. panel. And that was a really great panel. Honestly, uh, it was, it, so it, had good. A, it was really, really good. So, uh, Mackenzie Delane was there. She, uh, is a uh, consultant for Campaign Three of Critical Role and helped come out with uh, Anne Carell and, and served as a consultant. And Davy B. Walt, Dave B. Walters was there. Marquia uh, was there. Like a bunch of uh, various, you know, black and brown creators uh, in the uh, TTRPG space, um, and they just shared a lot of really great stories about. It wasn't you know, Luis. Uh, Luis Carrazo was there. Luis yep. Carrazo, yeah. Um, who played Xerxes in uh, Alexandria Limited Calamity. That was, you know, just a really great opportunity for conversation and, and, you know, reflecting on, on the experiences that, you know, the, uh, that folks are having in the space. Um, and nice. then, uh, following that unofficially off the program, uh, there was a, uh, TTRPG meetup afterwards. Um, and so another thing that you'll find at Comic-Con is, uh, some of the most exciting programming is the programming that's not on the schedule. Um, so, uh, and it just depends on if you know the right people, you know, yeah, and, and a lot of them are like a little bit outside of town, like they're or they're they're a little bit away from the convention center, or maybe they're at a place downtown that's been, you know, it's like on a hotel ballroom or a hotel lobby or something like that. And if you're lucky enough to hear about it and maybe have a an invite, and some of them are very like, you know, hard to get into studio kind of things, but some of them are just like, hey, let's meet at this place. And right. yeah, that that sounded like a lot of fun. I, I wasn't able to go, but but you yeah, guys, or you and Weston went, right? Yeah, it, it was. Uh, yeah, Arcane Anthems and I, Weston and I went, and it was a heck of a good time. Uh, got to hang out with Robbie Damon and a bunch of other cool folks. Um, met uh, uh, Amanda McKnight or Vamp Thirteen, who does some YouTube uh, content creation and. Um, just connected with a bunch of awesome people. I met Ajit George there who headed up the journey through the radiant Citadel project and the yeah. source book that just came out. Um, so yeah, I mean, just uh, a good time. So keep, keep your eyes and ears open for things like that. Uh, if, mm-hmm. if you do make it to comic con, cause there could be some fun stuff to do after the show too, but Absolutely. that was the end of my Thursday. So if you've listened to this podcast before, you know, I'm a little obsessed with invincible. 
And uh, I absolutely love the series. I'm four issues away from completing it. And I had the chance to get some of my key issues from Invincible signed by artist Ryan Otley. Now, I picked out particular issues uh, specifically with Otley in mind. Obviously, he's the artist on it. So I chose my Invincible number eight, which is his first interiors on the series, my Invincible 13, which was his first cover for the series, and then I chose issue 115, which is his awesome Battle Beast cover, which uh, a lot of people love and he also has posters for. I brought all three basically with the intention of being like, which one would you like to sign? And his response was all of them because of course he would, because I spent more money, but I didn't care. I was like, of course I I will spend all the money. Uh, But they also had this uh, convention exclusive sketch cover that it was a reprint of issue eight. So his first in his first interiors. So of course I needed to get the con exclusive cover. It's amazing. It's, Invincible and Omni-Man covered in blood. There's Alan the Alien, Adam Eve, Rex, Blode, uh, and Battle Beast in the background. Uh, there's Robot. It, it's just a great cover. It's fantastic. So I got all of those issues signed by Otley. Uh, but my biggest moment from Thursday was when I had the opportunity to meet Daniel Warren Johnson. I had recently bought uh, his, his uh, hardcover of Murder Falcon. He is the artist and the writer for that series. Uh, and uh, the colors, I believe, are by uh, Spicer. And uh, this this comic meant a lot to me. It, it hit a lot of emotional gut punches, honestly, for things that were going on uh, pretty recently in my life. Uh, everyone might know that I recently had a baby, but you might not know that uh, my grandmother passed away about two weeks before that. And... Uh, without going into details, things weren't the greatest mentally there at, there at the end for her. And Murder Falcon includes a, a storyline that uh, with uh, the drummer Jimmy and her father and issues with his memory and, and struggles that they're going through in their relationship. And it's just a beautiful story. There's there, there, Murder Falcon is just a fantastic story in general. It's a great comic. So I took the time to write a note for Daniel Warren Johnson about what the comic meant to me. So I had the opportunity to give it to him at the convention. And uh, yes, should I read it now or later? I was like, no, you can read it whenever you want. But then I shared just a little bit of of the story I kind of shared with with both of you. And he always does sketches and hardcovers. He is an amazing, he is one of the nicest people you will ever meet at a con. He is, he is unbelievably humble, very, very kind to to literally everyone there. And he always does sketches and hardcovers. But after our, our exchange, he started doing the sketch in, in my hardcover. We went back uh, another day for other things. I'll just share this part now. And he had read the note. And then he, he, he told me something other personal. I, I won't share it on, it on here. I'm just going to keep that to myself. But he, he told me something uh, that he was doing after he read the note in it. It uh, meant a lot to me. So I just want to take the moment to, again, to thank Daniel Warren Johnson. You're incredible. And uh, it was so nice meeting you. Yeah. I mean, he he was I, I met him on Thursday as well with with Lance. Um, 
and we went back a couple times because I got a copy of Murder Falcon as well from my brother-in-law who uh, loves heavy metal and also enjoys comics. But I'm like his main link to comics. Um, so like he doesn't really go out of his way to like get them. So like I, I like get, you know, comics for him. And so I already I previously gifted him a, a copy of Klaus that also had a remark inside from Dan Mora. Um, and so now I got him a copy of Murder Falcon. And, you know, I explained this to, to Daniel and said, like, hey, I'm getting this for my brother-in-law, blah, blah, blah. And, and he loves uh, heavy metal. And, you know, I think he'll really enjoy this comic. This is one of my favorite comics of all time. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he does killer sketches. Like, I've got – you can't quite see it in my camera right now. Like, the, the, the guys can see me on camera. But I have his sketch up on my bookshelf now at, at the top of my bookshelf, just open on display so I can turn around and enjoy it anytime because he is just – the coolest guy. Um, so cool. Just so gracious. So gracious. So kind. Um, immensely talented, obviously. Like, just really last quick thing. He's He was working on a custom with Nick Dragota to do the Ava 1 and Ava 2 units from Neon Genesis Evangelion. We saw his... And he was talking about how, like, he he was like, I feel bad for Dragota because I am going to go, like, all in, like, all <laughs> in on this picture. And we saw his mm-hmm. rendition of Ava 1, and it was it's beautiful, ridiculous. It it's so ridiculous. good. And, um, and, yeah. and, and I w- I'll add just one more thing is the fact that I ran into him a couple more times just randomly on the floor, and he remembered my name every time. Like, yeah. And he yeah. and he remembered the names of people around me too. He would turn to the next person and be like, "Oh, hey, you!" Like he just remembers people. He makes sure to to take in their name. So he he legitimately is like the ultimate creator to meet at a comic book convention. If you have not read or feasted your eyes on his work, do it immediately. Murder Falcon, Wonder Woman, Dead Earth, Extremity. Go out, read his stuff, and and just enjoy. Friday. Uh, what did you guys do first? Jeremy and I are both fans of Dan Slott. He, his run on Spider-Man is incredible. Jeremy is a big fan of his Silver Surfer stuff. So we, of course, wanted to go to the Dan Slott panel where we get in there. And it, it was even before the time of the panel was even supposed to start. Dan Slott was the only one on stage. And he was just already talking to everyone in the audience, sharing stories. It was amazing. And he's so funny, such a good storyteller and very good at interacting with everyone in the room. And in the midst of telling an, a, a really interesting story, two individuals came into the room. And during this time, I'll, I, I, even I was like, why would they interrupt him mid-story? This is so strange. And it turned out to be two individuals that were a part of San Diego Comic-Con. And Jeremy probably remembers their exact title, but I never remember stuff like that. Uh, and they proceeded to talk about Dan Slott's career and how important he is to the world of comics and uh, proceeded to award him an Inkpot Award, which is a, a very prestigious award within the comic book community and uh, to the point where it it shocked uh, Slott as well as like kind of getting him emotional. And I have this perfect picture of yeah. him staring at the ink pot as soon as it's handed to him. And it's beautiful. And uh, it, it was just such a cool experience. And Jeremy and I both had the opportunity during a Q&A to each ask him a question. So uh, my question was about why Slot decided to bring in Flash Thompson uh, back into the storyline because Agent Venom is one of my favorite characters. And it's because of what Slot started with Flash Thompson. 
and he just talked about how he he saw Flash as being this like ultimate hero because he didn't have powers. He went off to war, lost both of his legs. And so he's like, he's more of a, a hero than Peter is because he doesn't have powers and he still decided to try and be a hero, which is absolutely true. And so when he wanted to bring in, uh, when he wanted to bring in Flash, it was also because he slot at the time wasn't allowed to use carnage venom or the, or Norman Osborn. So he wanted to create a new character, which ended up being, a, a agent venom and he said that originally he wanted agent venom to be invisible for the first few issues helping peter uh, without peter unknowing who it was or what was happening because agent venom was going to be invisible and then there was going to be this reveal later that it was indeed flash thompson as this agent venom and the way he was going to be revealed was that uh flash was going to berserk out like he does as Venom if he has a suit for too long, but then he was going to call Peter Puny Parker, which is what Flash would tell him when they were in high school when he would bully Peter. So there was this cool thing that he was going to do, but he also said that he couldn't do it because as soon as Flash was – as soon as they brought in Agent Venom, he was so popular that they had to do the spinoff with Rick Remender in Volume 2 of Venom. That's yeah. how popular this character was because the, the, the comic sold like hotcakes. Yeah, it was – it was amazing. So I think, and and you can keep me honest, but I think what, what I recall him saying on that, because he, he laid out kind of like his plan yes. for him. And then, and then he said, um, you know, he said, they said, Hey, so what's your plan for, for, you know, agent venom. And he's like, Oh, I had this like slow burn type <laughs> of idea. And, and apparently for no reason at all, for no reason at all, venom books were just going crazy. They were yep. just spiking. And it was funny because I was thinking to myself, this is probably when I got because <laughs> I remember I bought like a bunch of like digital Venom books at one point a couple <laughs> years ago. Like when I was getting into comics, I'm like, oh, maybe I helped to do that. Um, but no, they're like, OK, you've got to, you know, you've got to roll it out a lot faster. And he's like, OK. And what I really appreciated about the panel was like Dan has a lot, a lot, years, decades of experience in the industry. And so, like, his insights on, like, how it works, like, how it works in reality when you have a story, when you have an idea for a character. And sometimes you just don't get to do that. <laughs> you know, he he was talking about these amazing stories, these amazing comic books that will never see the light of day. Like, they're in a drawer somewhere and that's where they're going to die. Um, he said there's a Gil Kane Punisher run. Sitting the in a issue. drawer issue. Yeah, there's an uh, issue. Punisher issue sitting sitting in a drawer somewhere that we'll never see. Um and yeah, so I mean it was it was just really cool to 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 hear him share all that. And um seeing him receive the ink pot, of course, was amazing. Um I had asked him um you know about the Silver Surfer. So uh, you know, I, I'm a huge fan of Silver Surfer. I have a uh a beautiful poster behind me that I'll speak to again, maybe later in the podcast on where I got it from. Um, but, uh, so I asked him about, uh, you know, basically his inspiration for making silver surfer more human in his runs. Like, how did he do that? What was his lens or angle in his run, uh, of silver surfer? Cause he's usually portrayed as so cosmic, otherworldly, almost like a deity almost. Right. Um, you know, uh, he's, you know, cosmic, cosmic Jesus, right? Like hippie Jesus is how he <laughs> described it. Like, they're like, don't give me hippie Jesus is what he said. The editor said, like, don't do hippie Jesus. Um, 
uh, or cosmic Jesus. I forgot exactly how he said it. Cosmic hippie. Cosmic hippie. He said cosmic hippie. I think. There you go. Yeah. 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 Um, so he said, don't give me a cosmic hippie. Um, and he said, you know, my inspiration really was Dr. Who, um, you know, was to give him a human companion through which he would be able to ground himself and, and try to get better understanding of like how humans do things and process things and, and, you know, lend that humanization in the process. And, you know, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I saw some of that in my initial run, but I'm honestly not the biggest Doctor Who Who fan. So apologies for the Whovians out there. Like I've never really got into it a lot. I um, like Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Chris, did you just do the, what was that? I just saw like, oh, you give we, thumbs up. You're okay. the only one here that hasn't watched a lot of Doctor Who. Chris That's and I true. Have, Chris I've watched and like I one watched. season. I've watched like one season, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I see it a lot more now, but it was, Slot's panel was great. It was it's so it's phenomenal. And I yeah. uh, got lucky enough because Slot was going to be doing a signing uh, like a couple hours after. And we should have said this. We both we finally got to meet in person Chris Hacker from the Oblivion Bar podcast, uh, mm-hmm. our, like our good friend that like I've been talking to Chris since basically I started this podcast. We've been podcast we've been podcast mm-hmm. friends and just friends. And now we finally met in person. It was super fun. And we hung out. And he was working for the company that was basically in charge of running the the booths for all these different creators and artists. And as soon as Slot got to the table, Chris messaged me and was like, hey, Slot's already here ahead of time if you want to come get your book signed. And so I walked straight up to the booth, no line at all. And I got I brought four books all related to Flash Thompson and the stuff that Slot did with his character be and so i was able to say i'm the one that asked you the flash thompson question i love the character these are like the major parts of like what you did with the character and like just thanked him and got those signed and now i'm so so happy i have those signed by him yeah definitely um yeah so that's how we started our friday uh lord the lord of the rings panel was also going on just in the background um so none of us were in hall h this morning for it uh, but that was the big hall h panel at that time was the the, the rings of power series coming to amazon prime it's beautiful it looks amazing so i watched the trailer earlier today uh with uh with emily with my wife um and yeah so we uh we enjoyed that um cautiously uh, optimistic but you know I, I, the the hobbit trilogy was kind of like hard to like hard to swallow but i love the original trilogy and 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 y'all know i have this big old you know tolkien middle earth map behind me so it means a lot to me and that that was something that like the original movies we my sisters and i would go to when you know when they came out and um so i i'm just like uh you know tolkien is one of the things that got me into fantasy and and D and stuff like that so i i hope it's i hope it's uh worthy of of kind of what what they're going to do with it which is kind Mm -hmm. of fun uh i started thursday or i started friday with going to the legends of the multiverse DD game which was a three-hour game um uh, run by abria iyengar um and uh other people that were in it including robbie damon was a special guest and i drew his character it was all these characters from this uh stream that uh, that, that that's on their Wizards of the Coast um, official stream. And but Robbie was a special guest invited by some of the others. Um, 
And uh, I was there with with the Western Arcane Anthems, and I was like, as I do, I was like, oh, I'm going to draw his character. And it's he was, his character was a Minotaur, <laughs> Minotaur monk, and he's very like surfer dude kind of guy. And I drew him, and then I tweeted Robbie Damon later. I was like, hey, I drew Brody, <laughs> and uh, and he saw it later, and he was like, that's amazing. So I I was like, cool. And then uh, jumping ahead a little bit, but just kind of because related, I, I went to a one of those industry panels, you know, on Saturday night with with Weston and um, I got to meet Abria and I said, hey, I love your stuff. And also I drew Robbie's character and I showed her because I had my iPad with me and she was like, oh, my God. <laughs> and it, she was like, what's your Twitter? And I was like, OK, so now Abria follows me on Twitter. <laughs> That's awesome. So I was, I was super happy about that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's super and the cool. rest of my Friday was pretty short. I, I didn't stay too long on Friday. I just walked the hall. Yeah, yeah my like Friday was massive. Yeah, keep tell tell the people about the rest of your Friday, Jeremy. I mean, I there was a World of Capcom panel um, that I was going to go to, um, but <laughs> because you know the thing is, I built out my schedule and then things just kind of went sideways because. Um, you know, you see other things on the floor and you want to chat with people. Get like sidetracked. Stuff happens. Yeah, you get sidetracked. You have to um, eat at some point. And, yep, yep. I think that's actually what I was doing. I was like, oh, you know what? It's time for me to eat because it was like one o'clock and I needed to go get something to eat. Um, that might have been the day that we were having lunch, Lance. I don't remember. Um, but yeah, so I wandered the floor a bit. Um, but really, I was making sure that in the afternoon, we were good for Dragon Ball Super. So uh, before I get to that, what were you doing in the afternoon last before we went to the to the Hall H panel? If anything? Yeah, I was scouring the exhibit floor for the Donatello Black Ranger Funko Pop exclusive, the SCC exclusive that they were coming out. I absolutely love that comic run. I already mentioned it, written by Ryan Parrott, who I was able to meet. And the... I realized how difficult it is to get any of these pop exclusives at conventions because people are getting tickets beforehand. They give you a time to get in line. Uh, but even to get those tickets, you have to be a part of some raffle thing. So it's this whole big process of something. <laughs> it's, a, that, it's a whole thing that like, I knew that I do nothing about. And, and so I just thought like you get in there, like you show up, you get online, you try and get the pop. No, nope, not how it works. So, I was just seeing these people with, I'm not kidding, bags that were taller than me. They're so big. I am not a tall person, but they were so tall. And <laughs> and, and, and they're just filled to the brim with pops. And so I was literally walking around asking people, do you have a Donatello? Can I buy it from you? And it, it took the first – I was so, totally unsuccessful at it on Thursday. And the first person I asked on Friday – I was walking around trying to find someone with a huge bag. I did. And he wasn't able to get the Leonardo he wanted. So he was like, I, I wanted the set, but if I can't have the set, I'll sell this one. So I paid at least triple what he bought it for at the convention. But I didn't care because I now own the morphed Donatello pop as him as the Black Ranger holding this really cool uh, battle axe, power axe. I don't even know what they're calling it now because it's the combination of the power staff and the battle axe. So it's probably the power axe or something like that battle staff. And, uh, I immediately 
walked it over to Ryan Parrott's booth and had him sign it. And he sadly told me that this was the closest he was ever going to get to owning one of these because he doesn't like, come on. If you're even the creators can't get, come (laughs) on people. Like if you're making a figure or a statue or something of something, somebody created, give it to the creator. just send them one. You know, it's not going to cost you a lot of money. Give it to the people. I tried to find another one to just gift Ryan Parrott. And I was unsuccessful. Uh, Yeah. I commit the cardinal sin of pop collecting. I take them out of the box. So like my pops, my pops are out of the box. I got my critical role pops. Uh, I got them all on my shelf. Um, I've got a mega man pop. Um, and, uh, I've have, I have a few pops I've added to the collection. Um, yeah, actually. Yeah. By now I, I had added, I got a Saitama, from One Punch Man, and I got an Astro Boy that glows in the dark um, that I also took out of my uh, took out of the boxes. Um, I like that you take them out of the box. Yeah, yeah, you know, like that's that's what I'm all about. I mean, but I will say, you know, with, with the Funko thing, you know, you basically have to enter a lottery to get the ticket and the time slots like a week ahead of time, you know? So it's a, we, we, we wished we could have gotten in there and gotten those huge bags that were taller than Lance full of Funkos. Yeah. Um, but, but we have plans for next year because oh, there, will um, be plans. there will be plans for sure. Um, but, um, but that all leads into Friday afternoon, uh, which uh, for us capped off with the dragon ball super, superhero panel in hall h uh many thanks to crunchyroll by the way uh for helping us out with some hall h access thank Um, you we we got uh passes to get into the event in uh what they call studio seating um which basically is a fancy way of saying that we didn't have to wait in the hall h line and we got to get some pretty nice seats in the process um so again thank you crunchyroll for your graciousness uh in in getting us that um but so we went to the panel and uh, the uh, uh, head producer from Toei production was there. Uh, um, Norihiro, Norihiro Hayashida. Uh, so he was there. Um, and uh, as was um, the American voice actor for uh, Piccolo, Chris Sabat, uh, and the Japanese voice actor uh, for um uh, Piccolo, who was give me one second, uh, Toshio Furukawa. Um, so uh, they were all on the panel, and this was actually the first time that the Japanese and American voice actors for Piccolo were on the same stage, which was super exciting. Um, and yeah, so uh, they talked a little bit about the movie, uh, which if you aren't aware yet, and if you are a Dragon Ball fan, um, Gohan and Piccolo are going to be the main characters in this movie, um, kind of recreating or reinforcing a very uh, popular dynamic with the fans, um, you know, uh, Gohan's real yeah. dad. Yeah, Gohan's real dad. Uh, <laughs> so um yeah, so that that should be a, a lot of fun. Lance and I were joking how, you know, uh, they're going to make Gohan cool again, which I know a lot of the fans have been waiting for for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and the producer said the same. Uh, and there was some fun banter between Chris and, and Toshio as well. Um, just, you know, uh, Chris said it's really it was really interesting to hear Toshio's voice and then not like repeat what he says in English uh, because <laughs> or like say his lines because he's so used to hearing him in his ear and then like 
taking cues from his voice to say like how emotional he should be. Uh, and Toshio was like, Oh man, that's so much pressure. Like I'll try to keep doing a good job for you. Um, so yeah, it was cool to kind of see them uh, interact with each other. And then, uh, we got to see the first 20 minutes uh, of the movie, uh, that is coming out, uh, next month, August 19th. Um, so we got a sneak peek at the, at the opening 20 minutes of the film. Uh, Lance, I'll, I'll go to you. What, what did you think of the, of the first bit? It it definitely reinforces the relationship between Gohan and Piccolo and a little bit of how that relationship has evolved because there is a little bit of a time jump in this movie and we see that uh, Piccolo is pretty much taken on the role of grandfather for Pan and uh, is definitely calling Gohan out on being an absentee father because I think he's seeing a little bit of the same uh, neglectful that Goku did with Gohan. So this this movie is going to do, be very interesting and definitely going to be uh, changing. It's going to be a step forward for both of these characters. And there's some things that happen very early on in the movie that are definitely, I'll, I'll just say, they're, they're definitely going to be foreshadowing for what's going to be happening because we're definitely getting a couple new forms for both of these characters. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I, I and I'll be writing a, a first impression article too for the site. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed um, seeing the film. They they actually talked about how it's a it's a different kind of type of animation style. Um, so they're doing some uh, they're doing some experimentation between some CG and hand-drawn. Um, and uh, Norihiro had said that, you know, they really want to lean into the hand-drawn to help compensate uh, for the, um, you know, uh, some of the CG elements as well. Um, so, and you saw that. I think we saw that in the preview. And I actually, I didn't think it looked that bad. I actually liked the design um, and I liked the way that it kind of flowed. Um, and... Yeah, you definitely see that dynamic between Piccolo and Pan and 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 um, uh, and Gohan and um, Videl as well, uh, <laughs> briefly. But we see Videl too. Um, so, so yeah, I'm really excited for the movie. I think it's going to carry a lot of fun uh, and uh, definitely tons of action too. So I'm ready for it. Um, so yeah, that's what we were doing. Chris, what were you up to? Well, I so after the D&D panel, I tried to get into Ballroom 20 and I did not. Uh, I was not successful because uh, the thing I really wanted to go see <laughs> was um, the Marvel Animation panel. So they separated Marvel Animation and Marvel Studios a TV show and uh, movies into two separate things. And I think that was really smart because they, now they have all these like different Marvel animation stuff. I, I know what they talked about and I was able to see a couple of the announcements uh, afterwards. So they announced, you know, a little bit more about Marvel zombies, which was a one of the episodes in what if, and then they kind of expanded that, which is Robert Kirkman's run on the Marvel zombies comics and they're making it into a whole thing. So they announced the, the cast for that, that the, the heroes that are alive, so to speak. And, and yeah, just some, just some fun characters. Like, you know, so it's going to be, sounds like it get a little different from the comics version of Marvel zombies. And what I was most excited about was the X-Men 97 uh, announcement, which they announced the cast that would be in there. And they showed like the background with all the, the cast that showed up and yeah. it's all of the original cast from the show, um, including 
some like Storm had a mohawk, and that was kind of cool. And Jubilee and Wolverine and Rogue and Gambit and Cyclops and Jean Grey and, and uh, Professor X. And they're bringing back other fan favorites, Beast, um, Morph, but it's not Morph from the original. It's the version of Morph from Age of Apocalypse. So he has that kind of like morphy, you know, kind of bald chameleon looking face. So I thought that was kind of interesting. It's like a redesign. And then they showed other characters like Cable and and uh, Nightcrawler is going to be in it um, and Colossus and just, yeah, the, the couple other characters that was like, yes. So very excited about X-Men 97 uh, that's coming out the fall of next year, I think. So um, I'm, I'm obviously I think all of us are huge uh, X-Men cartoon fans. Um and yep. uh, for a lot of people that that was their thing. And they're even using the theme song with any mention of, you know, when Professor X came on and nice and uh, multiverse of madness mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. spoilers for for Miss Marvel. But the last episode of Miss Marvel, when they said, I think you might have a mutation and they, they played a little. Yeah, exactly. So I'm just like, it was like, whoa, I just I just my mouth was open. And I was like, my wife was like, she's a mutant yeah it was it was like the leonardo dicaprio meme where he's got the scotch and he's pointing at the screen it's like (laughs) they said the thing they said the thing Uh, that was cool that was cool so uh i wasn't at that panel but i thought that was a fun panel uh the other panel on on friday which is kind of fun from a comics perspective because hey it's a comics podcast uh is dc uh and image had a joint announcement yes. that spawned batman we get a sequel and jim lee and todd mcfarland drawn by greg capullo and it's a 48 page one shot and i remember getting that yeah. spawn batman comic so i'm lance and i are excited about so that. excited uh, I, i'm not saying that the comic book episode that mash and i did was is the direct result directly influenced, directly yeah, influenced this decision because you know i i'm i heard from sources that Jim Lee and Todd McFarlane and Greg Capullo listened to our show. So yeah. they're big fans. They, they heard what we wanted and they made it. So Pat's on the What's back. Up, T-Mac? What's up, Jim Lee? What's up, uh, Greg Cap? <laughs> we, we, we know your fans and uh, you're part of that CBK cast uh, life. So uh, thank you. And you're welcome, I guess. What <laughs> There's one more major thing that we did. So after the panels and everything, the hall was almost closing. But I had recently heard from a, a good friend over on Tencent Takes. So Mike let me know that there would be a particular artist and writer creator at the convention. And uh, that creator is uh, Don Aguilio. Now, Don uh, ha- is currently working at Image. He is doing a lot of the covers. You might you might recognize his covers for Spawn. He's doing covers for all of the different Spawn titles that are coming out right now. He's extremely talented. His work is beautiful. So Mike sent me over, hey, you should look at the interiors of this book, and you should definitely go meet him and interview him. I looked at the interiors of his, of his uh, book that he has published with Scout Comics, and it's called Rise. It is beautiful. It is such cool art. So I, I knew I had to go meet him. So did like a little 10 minute interview. We are going to be releasing the whole interview with Don over on the Geekly Grind. So there will be an article all about the San Diego Comic-Con interview with Don Aguilio. But he's an incredibly nice person. So much fun to talk to. Uh, please go out, check out Rise with, from Scout Comics and definitely be on the lookout for those covers of his uh, for all the titles 
for spawn and all the stuff over image. And I'm telling you now, he is going to blow up. Get his early stuff now. He's extremely talented. You're going to want his work. Mm -hmm. so just some other fun things that I liked uh, that was announced is uh, Star Trek Lower Decks, which I think is one of the best Star Trek shows that's out right now. It's so funny. Um, it is uh, season three, and they're coming they're going to deep space nine, which is kind of fun. And uh, they announced dragon Prince season four, which it's a, that's a really fun show. People that liked avatar, the last airbender, the creators made a fantasy series on Netflix It's called dragon Prince. It's amazing. Uh, check it out. Yeah. Yeah. So that was through day two. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So there's Thursday, Friday, and plus, you know, preview night. And we will be releasing a part two of this episode talking about our experiences for day three and day four. And and our, our favorite things that we got, like bought. Yes. And, uh, swag swag report. Hall, I think hall report. Even just the, the Marvel panel, the Marvel Studios panel, we're going to need a lot more time to, to get into oh, that. Yeah. So join oh, us for yeah. part two of San Diego Comic-Con 2022 uh, as we talk about Saturday and Sunday and other things. But it's time to close the book on the first two days of Comic-Con <laughs> 2020, 2022. So yep. until next time, this is Chris. And Lance. And Jeremy. Reminding you to keep your friends close. But your comic books closer. Closer.